every true believer in Jesus Christ is justified. There are no uh, degrees of justification. You either are or you aren't. It's not, well, I'm, 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 I'm being justified. No. You either are or you aren't. And there's no exceptions. Whether you're young or you've been a Christian for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, you're just as justified the day you believe in Jesus Christ as you will be when you're home in heaven. You'll be no more righteous in standing before God a hundred years from today than you are right now. Think about it. This is what theologians call positional truth. Our position in Christ, having been justified. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings the first in a six-part message titled, The Permanence of Justification. And we invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. The Permanence of Justification. Chris uh, tells me that I'm an optimist when it comes to uh, projects. You know, what I'm going to finish on a Saturday afternoon or something like that. And uh, if you look at the bulletin, it says Romans 5, 1 through 5. And uh, the trouble is, they, they want me usually to give it to them so they can put it in the bulletin, these secretaries, before Sunday morning. And so usually I feel real good if I get it to them by Friday. And uh, one time I got an award recently for getting it to them on Thursday. And this week they said they needed it by Tuesday, so I just made a wild guess. And I am going to talk about the permanence of justification, but you can just take, if you see, it says 1 through 5 there. Just take the little white out for the dash and the 5, <laughs> and we'll be okay. Uh, we're going to look at the permanence of justification, uh, at least in verse 1. And uh, you know where we've been in Romans. Let me just remind you. He showed us for two and a half chapters, as he got into the argument of Romans, and Romans is a tightly packed argument, he showed us our unrighteousness, that we have no claim on God. In fact, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. That's where Romans starts. We deserve his wrath, and we are under his wrath in our natural state. And he spent a long time showing that and convincing us of that. Then he explained in chapter 3, justification. He explained how God takes people like us, unrighteous, and because of what Jesus Christ did, he declares us righteous. That's what justification means. And then he illustrated it in chapter 4 with Abraham and David, but mainly Abraham. And we looked at uh, more aspects, and hopefully we've got a better understanding, if we've really understood what he's saying, of justification, having, having had it illustrated. And now he begins to show in chapter 5 the permanence of justification. And let me just show you, in fact, look at chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 give the first of three great guarantees of the permanence or the security, if you will, of justification, that it is permanent. God doesn't declare someone righteous and then undeclare them 
righteous. He declares us righteous. Justification is permanent for the believer, and he gives three great guarantees of it. The first one is in verses 1 through 5. Justification by faith is permanent because faith is never destroyed by trials. It is always strengthened by troubles and trials. Then the second guarantee, verses 6 through 11, the love of God. He loved us while we were sinners much more. Now that we are His children, we can be sure of His love. And then the third great uh, guarantee, the rest of the chapter, verses 12 through 21, the great parallel between Christ and Adam. And in fact, uh, I would say we could call that representative justification. Because just as I was represented by Adam when Adam sinned, so I was represented by Jesus Christ when He went to the cross. And my justification is grounded not in my activity, but in the one act of what Jesus Christ did at the cross. So the whole chapter is a tremendous chapter. In fact, uh, you can do, you know, let me encourage you to read it and read it and reread it and mull it over. Really get familiar with Romans 5. It's a tremendous chapter. And we want to look at the permanence of justification. And that's where we're going because that's where Romans 5 is going, and I want you to see that. But having said that, there is no better statement of the permanence of our justification than verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Do you uh, enjoy that? Do you experience that? Maybe a better question is to say, do you have that? Do you have that? It is the foundation for all other peace, is peace with God. And it's not a given. Many don't have it. Most don't have it. Yet it is a given for every Christian. Do you have it? Do you have it? What I'm asking you is do you have your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm not taking that for granted. Romans keeps coming back to these things time and time again. And I ask you, is your faith in Christ? Do you realize that He's the Son of God? Have you believed that He died on the cross for you and rose again on your behalf? Because remember where chapter 4 ended? Look back at the last verse. And I said, it's not enough just to know what happened, that He died and rose again. Many people know what happened, but they don't know why. Look back at verse 25. He who was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. You remember the day, Christian? Some of you had heard this all your life. Uh, you knew Jesus was the Son of God. You knew He died for sins. You knew He rose again. You wouldn't have argued, but you weren't a Christian. And then there was that day when it dawned on you, or maybe it was a period of time. I'm not looking for a specific experience here. I'm talking about the reality of faith. When you realize He was delivered up, He was put on that cross for your transgressions. And He was raised again 
for your justification. Oh, don't miss verse 25. Uh, That's what I'm asking you when I say, do you have, do you have peace with God? Is your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you been justified by faith? And if you've put your faith in Christ, if you've realized that Christ died for me, He rose again for me on my behalf, then step back now and enjoy verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Therefore, Paul has concluded his argument for the fact of justification. He has brought in Abraham as the illustration of justification by faith. And now he says, therefore, having been justified by faith. It's an accomplished fact. A lot of times people uh, shy away from that. But look at, the, look at the way Paul puts it. Having been justified by faith. It's not something uh, in process. It's an accomplished fact fact, every true believer in Jesus Christ is justified. There are no uh, degrees of justification. You either are or you aren't. It's not, well, I'm, 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 I'm being justified. No. You either are or you aren't. Every believer. There's no degrees. And there's no exceptions. You say, I'm just a young believer. That has nothing to do with it. Whether you're young or you've been a Christian for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, you're just as justified the day you believe in Jesus Christ as you will be when you're home in heaven. You'll be no more righteous in standing before God a hundred years from today than you are right now. Think about it. This is what theologians call positional truth. Our position in Christ, having been justified, You say, well, I'm weak. I'm not as strong as I ought to be. This isn't have anything to do with whether you're weak or you're strong, whether you're mature or immature. If you're in Christ, you have been justified. It's an accomplished fact, true of every believer. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. We who were enemies of God. Look down at verse uh, 10. If while we were enemies, and that's what we were, every one of us born into this world was born into a race at enmity with God, in rebellion against God. We were enemies of His. We have peace. I mean, now and then you read uh, old historic accounts of uh, when the last world war ended. And some of the, particularly some of the remote islands in the Pacific where people weren't aware that the war was over. And they'd go sometimes months, sometimes even years, still thinking they were at war. And... uh, It'd be, I remember reading as a kid about some of those situations where people were uh, discovered who still thought they were at war and didn't realize peace had been declared. 
And uh, we sometimes, a lot of Christians don't enjoy the peace with God that they have. Many Christians don't enjoy peace with God, even though all Christians have it. Many Christians don't experience it in in their daily experience, even though all Christians have it. I mean, look at verse 1 again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have, we have peace with God. We who are under His wrath now have peace. And you say, how do you know it? I've got God's Word on it. It's written down for us. We can enjoy it. We have peace with God. Don't get over it. I was thinking of Colossians. uh, Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Uh, Listen to the language that he uses there in Colossians. I just quoted verse 20. 21 says, Although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Again, this is true of every believer, whether they realize it or not. You might have put your faith in Jesus Christ and have never really enjoyed the fact that you have peace with God, but I'm here to tell you, take verse 1 and camp on it. Enjoy it. Exult in it. Positional peace positional peace. Every Christian has it. We have peace with God. Think of it. Uh, it's not merely that God is, is no longer against us. Uh, we're no longer at enmity with Him. That is true. But it is more than that. It is not merely that we're no longer in host- hostilities, you know. Uh, we're no longer engaged in evil deeds. And His face is no longer set against the sinner, but when you find peace in Christ, when He places you in Him, when your faith lays hold of Jesus Christ, why, not only is hostility ended, but God is actively for us. I mean, that's what it says over in Romans 8, doesn't it? And by the way, the first of Romans 5 and the end of Romans 8 go together. This whole section, it ties the whole section together, and you'll see a great parallel between the end of Romans 8 and the beginning of Romans 5, and uh, we should enjoy that. God is for us. Chapter 8 expands on it, but God is for us. I mean, we're His chosen, you know? Whom He predestined, these He also called. And whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. I mean, the language of Romans 8, uh, it's tremendous. He called us. He chose us. Who would bring a charge, he asks, against God's elect? It's one of the few times you'll hear that phrase in Scripture. And he uses it in that polemic way. Who would dare bring a charge against someone that God has chosen, that God has elected? He's for us. He is for us. He gave His own Son. He didn't spare His own Son, Romans 8.32 says. He gave His Spirit. Look down at verse 5 here. Through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, God is actively for us. I mean, verse 1, peace with God is a long way 
from verse 18 of chapter 1. When he started by saying, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That's where the gospel begins. It does. And that's why to proclaim the gospel of Christ, we must speak of sin. We must present the holy, righteous truth about our God. But when you realize that this righteous God who cannot countenance sin, who will not just look the other way, when you realize that He Himself came to this earth in His Son, Jesus Christ, and died in our place, when you believe that, that He was delivered up for your transgressions and raised again for your justification, you are justified by faith and you have peace with God. And it's a long way, even from chapter 3, when he kind of summarized the argument and said, there's none righteous, not even one. There's none who seek for God. And that depressing end, you might say, is we realize nobody qualifies. Oh, once you come to Christ, everything's turned around. We have peace With God. We stand right now in God's favor. Look at verse 2. Through whom also we've obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. It's not only that God isn't against us any longer, it's that God is for us, and everything that comes our way comes through God's favor. We stand in grace today. Now, we're going to, and the text goes on and amplifies that in a special way. I mean, and it's so encouraging. And we'll look at it next time, Lord willing, because he says even troubles and trials come from his hand in the sense that we can exult even in these things because we stand in grace. We stand in almighty God's favor. Every circumstance in your life is allowed by God and usable by God to produce Christ-like character. And he's going to amplify that in verses 3 through 5. And uh, basically, let me just tell you, nothing can rob you of your peace with God. Nothing. I mean, you can just kind of go, you mean nothing. Nothing. Not the worst trials, and he'll mention some here, and Romans 8, he'll delineate quite a few, and he'll say nothing can separate you from the love of God, and nothing can separate you from peace with God, and if you understand that, nothing can rob you of the peace of God, the experience of it. And I've met Christians who are suffering, and who are in circumstances no one would choose, and yet they haven't lost the peace of God. Because nothing can get between you and God. We have peace with God. We have what the world needs. We have exactly what the world needs. You know why people aren't at peace with themselves? You know why people are not at peace with themselves, inner peace? Because they don't have peace with God. It's the foundation for all other peace. Peace with your Creator. Maybe you're here, and you're looking for peace within. You'll never find it until you have peace with God. God created you. You've sinned. You're in rebellion against God. Maybe you've tried to cover it up with religion. Maybe you've tried to cover it up with uh, turning over a new leaf. Maybe you've tried 
any number of things, but still inside there's no peace. Why? Because there's no peace with God until you have your faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And then there is peace with God. People are talking about inner peace. You can find it through chanting this or meditating on that. No, you can't. It's a lie. It's a satanic lie. There is one who is the father of lies. He loves to lie about all these crucial things because he wants to keep you ensnared in sin. And I don't care how nicely it's packaged, you'll never find inner peace until you find peace with God. Why don't people have peace with others? Down at work? Across the fence? In your neighborhood? Why don't we have peace horizontally? Why don't we have peace with our spouse? Because there's no peace with God. Oh, I know people can kind of coexist and people can make it, but real peace... Real peace horizontally is never found until there is peace vertically. Peace with God leads to peace with others. Peace with yourself, peace with your mate, peace with your co-worker. Why don't the nations have any peace? Why are nations at enmity with other nations? Because this world is at enmity with God. And there will never be lasting peace on earth as much as men may talk about it and strive for it even. We'll never be able to establish peace on earth until the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, rules in righteousness. The fruit of righteousness will be peace, it says in Isaiah. You won't establish peace and then work on righteousness, uh uh. You've got to be right with God. And then there will be peace with God, and the fruit of that will be peace this way. Now, peace, positional peace with God is what we have and what everybody needs, you know. Uh, Another way to put it, and you might think of this, just think of the preposition. Peace with God leads to the peace of God. See, I'm not talking about when I speak of every Christian having peace with God, I'm not saying every Christian experiences that. You might be here and this morning maybe you haven't experienced any peace in your experience. But you can. Uh, That's what many, many texts speak of. And this is so practical because this isn't just a doctrine that we just kind of check off and say, okay, no, if this gets hold of us, if this truth gets hold of us, then it simmers down into our life and we have the peace of God. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Permanence of Justification, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called, A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. 
The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. We're thankful that you've chosen to listen to us on this station, and we invite you to downtownbible.org to download or listen to any past program or to subscribe to our daily podcast. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. When you get in the Bible daily and spend time and just listen to God, the quietness that comes into your soul. In the midst of the din of this world, Christians aren't called out of this world. I don't call them out of this world. I I ask you to keep them in this world, but keep them with you, Lord, and keep them one. And so we live right in the midst of a world of woe, but we have this peace. He says, not like the world gives do I give to you. We have this real peace and this real quiet, this real tranquility. And I'll tell you, it's... uh, It's great. You know, oftentimes, you've heard it and seen it, I'm sure. Oftentimes, a Christian just brings it with him or her right into the office. And where there's stress and trouble, a Christian brings quietness and calmness and peace. And uh, you see that in an office. You'll see that in a home. You'll see that in a marriage. Uh, Sometimes that's exactly what God uses Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, The Permanence of Justification. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 